Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Beat. Či nebit. Kto mi odpovie? Čo šlakt ducha viac? Či trpne znašat? Strelie a šipi zlostni štastni. Hey, Am. Hey, Barry. You know what that is we're hearing? Um, it sounds like someone very serious speaking in an Eastern European language of some sort. Exactly. And we're also hearing the sound of a busman's holiday. A busman's holiday? Beg your pardon? You know, when you go on vacation and end up doing the same thing you do at work. Sounds like a story is coming. So, I run a Shakespeare theater, right? The Old Globe in San Diego. Now, my wife is in the travel business, and last summer, her company took a group on a riverboat trip down the Danube River. We made that our family's summer vacation. That sounds amazing. It was gorgeous. Vienna, Budapest, all these little Austrian villages, and the scenery on the Danube is, like, breathtaking. One day, we dock in Bratislava, which is the capital of Slovakia. My wife had to work, my kids didn't feel like getting off the boat, so I went wandering around. One of the highlights of this really charming city is a huge medieval castle that's perched on a hill overlooking the whole place. I hiked up, and the views are stunning. You see what looks like half of Europe. Nice. And the castle itself is amazing. I went walking around through gardens and big old gates and huge wooden doors. I go down this long corridor, and I turn a corner into some random courtyard, and all of a sudden, I'm facing a little stage with lighting and rows and rows of seats and sound equipment and like an army of people milling around. And I realize that somebody's made a theater here. And there's a company of actors rehearsing a play. And so I watch for a while. Umriet. Spat. Nich viac. Anamishlatsi. There's a guy who's the star. He's smoking a cigarette, 
which everybody in Bratislava is doing. And he's wearing this long black coat. He's intense looking. His eyes are darting around like his soul is on fire. And he walks center stage and he launches into this long speech. And I'm listening and the penny drops. He's Hamlet. I've left my own Shakespeare theater to get some R&R, and I go halfway around the world, and I wander around some old tourist site, and I end up at a rehearsal of Hamlet. A busman's holiday. Yes. It's like a magnet, Barry. Once Shakespeare is in your soul, you are just drawn to him. You, you find him everywhere. It's like there's no getting away. There needs no ghost come from beyond the grave to tell us this. <laughs> Truly. I'm Barry Edelstein, and I run the Old Globe in San Diego, one of the country's leading Shakespeare theaters. And this is Where There's a Will, Finding Shakespeare, from the Globe and Pushkin Industries. Our show discovers Shakespeare in all sorts of unexpected places and asks what he's doing there and what his presence means about him and about us. My companion on this search for old William is a friend and colleague with their own deep interest in Shakespeare, the writer and director, M. Weinstein. That sounds like it was a great vacation, Barry. The cameo from the Melancholy Dane notwithstanding. He made a cameo in my vacation, but he's been a star everywhere else. It's been the year of Hamlet, M. The Metropolitan Opera in New York premiered a new Hamlet opera. The 2022 Pulitzer Prize for Drama went to a play called Fat Ham, which takes the Hamlet story and puts it at a backyard barbecue in the South. I think my uncle had my father killed. Juicy! And now my father wants me to kill my uncle. Juice! Like a bitch? Yeah. Well, what you gonna do? Well, I ain't never killed nobody. Yeah, I think it's probably mad hard. Exactly. <laughs> and a film called The Northman brought the story that Shakespeare based Hamlet on to multiplexes and streaming services everywhere. I am Amleth the Bad Wolf, son of King Arvon the War Raven, and I am his vengeance! Whoa, that is intense. Y you think? <laughs> oh, and there was more. The Stratford Festival in Canada had a major production of Hamlet starring the first black woman to play the part there. And a famous avant-garde director did a Hamlet in London that became a breakout hit and was remounted at the Park Avenue Armory in New York. And the Old Globe, my theater, did a radio version of the play that you could download to listen while you're folding your laundry or going on your morning run. My father's spirit in arms. All is not well. Hamlet's having a moment right now. But Barry, why? That is the question. <laughs> In this moment of Hamlet, or yet another moment of Hamlet, in a string of moments of Hamlet in the last four centuries since the play was written, let me ask you, Barry, what do you think is going on with all this Hamlet? Em, all I have are theories. But I've been lucky because I've been able to talk to some really smart people who have some really thoughtful and provocative things to say on the subject. 
People like James Imes, the winner of the 2022 Pulitzer Prize for his reimagined Hamlet. Robert Eggers, the visionary filmmaker who's drawing meaning from the myths that informed Shakespeare as he wrote the play. And Matthew Jocelyn, the librettist of the Met's Hamlet opera. We'll get into my conversations with them after a break. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days, like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Full disclosure, I did not see the opera at the Metropolitan Opera House. I saw it at 9 a.m. in a multiplex in San Diego, me and 20 other, you know, hearty souls who got up early. You are virtuous beyond words. (laughs) That's Matthew Jocelyn. The Met Live in HD simulcasts Metropolitan Opera performances to cinemas all over the world, including a really thrilling new opera of Hamlet. Matthew is the librettist. I asked him to explain what that means. It's funny, when I arrived at the Met for this present series of performances, it took a couple of days for me to get my security pass. So I finally went to the head of security and said, I I need to check in every day with all of my certificates. Why don't I have my security pass? And she said, oh, you're Matthew Jocelyn. You're the libretist. I just don't know 
what category to put you in. I've never met a libertist before. And I said, that's all right. Most of us are dead. <laughs> so to explain what is a librettist, we are essentially the book writer. That is, we're the people who write the text and the words that are going to be put to music for an opera. Matthew and composer Brett Dean have reinvented Hamlet, really, with this sweeping and hugely moving score and a collage of a text put together by someone who clearly knows his way around the play. Shakespeare has been frequently brought into the opera house. Famously, Giuseppe Verdi did a bunch of them, uh, Rossini, Britton, Odes, right, Purcell. What is that about? Why make Shakespeare into an opera? Great opera is inherently theatrical. It's looking for theatrical moments and broad, large theatrical gestures that at the same time contain some kind of broad emotional content, a, a sweep with which one can tell a story and grip the emotional fiber of the audience. And Shakespeare was a master of that. He was a master of finding a narrative that had both the dramatic content and the emotional content and the, the intellectual or the thinking content. That music is amazing. And it really gets under your skin. And also, it's really innovative. I'm no music scholar, and I don't really have the language to talk about how music works and what it does. But Brett Dean has composed modern classical music. And you can hear in it the influences of the 20th century, minimalism, atonality. And like the play, it's also got these passages of romanticism. And he kind of broke the orchestra out of the orchestra pit, didn't he? He placed small satellite orchestras around the huge auditorium of the Met. There was a small percussion section tucked away in a high balcony, and sometimes singers sang there. There were other little installations of instruments kind of hidden away in corners of the theater, so you were surrounded by the score, immersed in it. That is so cool. And on top of that, Dean used this wild combination of found objects to make sound. Plastic water bottles that scrunched and crunched, rusty springs from an old car, and stones banged together. Matthew told me about it. The principle was, how do we get inside Hamlet's head? How do we have the experience of something that is all-invasive and all-pervasive and from which one cannot extricate oneself, and Hamlet cannot extricate himself from his own thoughts. And that's exactly what the orchestra is providing us with as an experience. And in the same way that Brett Dean sort of fractured the orchestra into bits and spread it around the place, Matthew took a kind of kaleidoscopic approach to the text of Hamlet. You reassigned lines from one character to another. You rearranged scenes. So you entered into almost as a co-author with Shakespeare. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he was very generous with his uh, co-authorship, I have to say, because he provided me with the essential material and he made no, put up no obstacles whatsoever to my delving into it. I asked Matthew the big question. Why Hamlet? Why now? Yeah, there's a 
kind of um, prevalence of this unknowable hero, this person who seems to experience life in such an intense way, experiences loss in such an intense way and love in such an intense way. The play is essentially also about this moral battle. Do I follow my father who's asking me to be untrue to myself, who's asking me to become a man of revenge when I'm a man of philosophy, who's asking me to become a man of prosaic action when I'm a man of poetry, or do I follow my own poetic self and be the lover that I am with Ophelia and be the, and be the, the soul that I am within the world? There's a very famous and very waggish English stage director who likes to say that the first rule of working on Shakespeare in the theater is to remember that you're alive and he's dead. There's a certain license granted to a contemporary theater maker when you engage with a writer who's been six feet under for centuries. Pretty much every production of Shakespeare we see today, in whatever form, is an adaptation. Matthew Jocelyn's libretto is the Hamlet we all know, and at the same time, it's something totally fresh. Fat Ham kind of works in the same way. Like, it takes the raw material of Hamlet, but it rearranges it. It makes it new. It moves it to a new location, a new time, even a new culture. Where There's a Will, we'll be back after a short break. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. 
Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. I want to talk to you. About what? Your daddy. My daddy is dead. You know what I'm talking about. The king, my queen, is dead. Huh? It's Shakespeare, kind of. You watch too much PBS. <laughs> my name is James Imes. I am the playwright of Fat Ham, among other plays. I am a associate... Yes, is that right? I am an associate professor of theater at Villanova. That's right, I have tenure. And I am a co-artistic director of the Wilma Theater in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You are also the most recent winner of the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. That's correct. <laughs> so I've quite gotten used to adding that to like <laughs> the list of things that I've done. James's play is a loose adaptation of Hamlet. The bones of the play are still there. The father's died. The uncle's murdered the father. The uncle marries the mother. Right. But then it becomes its own thing. It follows a character named Juicy, who's my Hamlet. And uh, Juicy is trying to figure out what he wants the rest of his life to look like. And then he's visited by the ghost of his father. And all of those questions sort of get blown up for him. But while Fat Ham follows the basic outline of Shakespeare's play, James doesn't set his version in Denmark. Uh, Juicy is black and queer, living in a small town in the South, in a family of very colorful bright, uh, but complicated people. How nice the quarrel was. What? Shakespeare. If you bring up that dead old white man one more time, don't nobody want to talk about his ass. At its core, it's a question of what of our family's legacy and history do we want to hold on to? And what of our family's legacy and history do we want to release? And Juicy has to sort of make those decisions for himself. He leads the family through a transformation. Yeah. Which I find that, you know, in my family, I feel the younger generations are often the ones that show me and, you know, my mom and my mom's siblings new ways of thinking, um, new ways of experiencing the world. So I think it's very true to how this current moment feels in terms of how the generations are interacting with each other. The striking thing about Fat Ham is how funny it is. It's a raucous, wild comedy. Which Hamlet generally is not. No, the pile of corpses on stage at the end is not exactly a laugh riot. I asked James about that. Early drafts of this play were really quite faithful to Hamlet proper. And then you, you run into the problem of the end of the play. It's not really a problem, but you run into the reality of the end of the play, which is that everybody's basically dead <laughs> at the end of the play. And I didn't want to write that story. And so, you know, Hamlet was the thing that got me going, in terms of working on a play that was exploring cycles of violence, inherited trauma, all of these things, all of these things that Hamlet, the Shakespearean character, deals with, and he just decides to engage with them in a different way than Juicy does. But the same questions were really interesting to me. They're interesting to me as a person. They were interesting to me in terms of how I wanted to approach the story of Hamlet, which is not, you know, that question isn't always central to when people are working on Hamlet. James digs deep into Hamlet in his play. He finds something remarkably personal there. 
the to be or not to be speech is quoted so much because I think it is central to how people think about Hamlet. This ambivalence of like whether or not to move forward or to stop. And I think that the play holds a much more interesting question of not whether or not one wants to stop or continue, but rather how one wants to continue. And I wanted to see what happens if Juicy was sort of not sure about, my Hamlet wasn't so sure about how he felt about that, what he wanted to do about that, how he wanted to move forward. So the question shifted from to be or not to be to do I be this way or do I be that way? <laughs> like the be stays, the being is consistent. You know, the how is was slightly more interesting to me. I love hearing about the personal connections artists make to Hamlet. The play had a huge impact on me when I first read it when I was in the 10th grade. I took an English class and suddenly Hamlet was my entire identity. It's an odd thing about this play, Em. It grabs people and it never lets them go. I know an actor who's played the part twice and he's won Tony Awards and an Oscar and he always has a copy of Hamlet on him wherever he goes. People just, they go all in with it. It's a play you wrestle with over a lifetime, not a play you just do. It was foretold that I would slay my father's killer in a burning lake. Till that day comes, I will torment the man who made my life a hell. Hi, I'm Robert Eggers. I'm the director and co-writer of The Northman. Robert Eggers is one of the most original filmmakers working in the American cinema. He makes historical epics, and they're, like, touched by violence and horror. He's known for his scrupulous research and his meticulous recreations of the periods where the films are set. The Witch is an amazing film. And The Lighthouse is one of my favorite movies of the past few years. It's this crazy Herman Melville meets Hitchcock meets Bergman thing, and it's as impossible to describe as it is to forget. I just loved talking with the person who made it, this idiosyncratic, visionary artist. I asked him to tell me more about The Northman and what it has to do with Shakespeare. Well, funnily enough, when I describe it, I often say that, simply put, The Northman is Viking Hamlet. So it is based on a Scandinavian folktale of Amleth. So, young boy, his uh, father is murdered by his uncle, and he needs to avenge his father's death as an adult, basically. It's basically the plot of Hamlet, Yes, right? basically, yeah. And revenge is something, it's not something that I feel every day. That's something that uh, doesn't excite me, but a good revenge story works. So, of course, what makes Hamlet potentially so resonant is that you have today the protagonist who's unsure about the revenge. And in my film, Amleth is quite sure about his (laughs) revenge the whole time. And while this act of vengeance is satisfying for our protagonist, like, you know, to me, it seems like a waste of an entire life. Uh, obsessed with vengeance. So in a sense, your film does the thing that Shakespeare's play does, just in a different kind of way. It still problematizes revenge as an idea. It just does it differently. I think that's fair. 
It's so interesting that this film that isn't even Shakespeare ends up somehow illuminating Shakespeare. I think it happens, M, because Robert manages to grasp something profound about Hamlet's character. And wonderfully, it's the same thing that Matthew Jocelyn and James Imes talked about. Hamlet's essentially unknowable. There's a bottomless sense of mystery to him. You can read the play and study it and see production after production, but still, you never quite feel like you fully know Hamlet. I think in some ways, Amleth, my Amleth, is knowable, but there's something that's so brutal and fatalist and horrible about it that it's hard to sort of wrap your mind around. <laughs> but I do think, you know, Hamlet, because I, I played Hamlet, he's a different person in every single scene, you know, and, mm. and, and in many ways, that's why he seems the most human of, of any character written, maybe. You played Hamlet where? At uh, the Edwin Booth Theater in Dover, New Hampshire. So, M, at this point in our conversation, Robert Eggers reaches behind him, and from a shelf, he grabs a skull, his own personal Hamlet-like skull. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Never never leave home without it. No. This question of Hamlet being knowable or not, it's so provocative. Do you think it's somehow connected to him having a moment right now? I asked James Imes about that. I think there are some Shakespeare roles that you can't really get to the bottom. You can't really get to the bottom of the Scottish king. You can't really get to the bottom of Juliet. And I think Hamlet is also in that category. Cleopatra is in that category, Falstaff. But I think Hamlet in particular, there's just so much to mine. He says to people, you can't figure me out. You can't pluck out the heart of my Mm. mystery, right? And, of Mm -hmm. course, the action of the play is everybody trying to figure out what's going on with this guy, and he's he's dressed in black, Mm. and he's moping around, and he's stalking around, and nobody can figure him out. So there is this sense that he is this walking mystery whose depths are unplumbable and unknowable. Hamlet just sort of is isolated and trying to figure and move through this world by himself. Isolated and moving through the world by himself. That's Hamlet's problem. He's all alone. He sees a world upside down, out of order, not functioning. And he understands that fixing it is entirely up to him. More than all the other amazing things about the play and the character, this is the reason I think he's around so much right now. This thing of being alive at a time when the world is turning upside down, when everything we think we know is changing. It's so heavy. And it's a burden we can all relate to, especially after the few years we've just lived through. This is the perfect time for Hamlet to show up, to light the way forward. You've directed this play a couple of times. I've been really lucky, yeah. Your most recent was really about that, about Hamlet in this upside-down world, right in the middle of the pandemic, right? On the radio, yes, when the Old Globe was closed because of the virus. Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into a dew. Or that the everlasting had not fixed his cannon against self-slaughter. What was the genesis of the production? What was your inspiration Well, in the summer of 2016, my father, of blessed memory, died. And he was in his mid-80s, and, you know, we loved each other dearly. And I remember 
sitting in a hospice room with him in New Jersey in the final days of his life. And to my astonishment, what came into my head were lines from Hamlet. Nature's common theme is death of fathers. Your father lost a father, that father lost his. Just these strange echoes of Shakespeare rattling around in my head while I was sitting alone at two o'clock in the morning in a dark room with my father breathing heavily in a, in a hospice bed in literally the final hours of his life. And when my father passed away, I thought something was speaking to me here that I've got to explore. And I really should go look at Hamlet. I am thy father's spirit, doomed for a certain term to walk the night. So now I want to talk about your 2021 production of Hamlet right in the height of the pandemic. Um, you did a very technically innovative uh, take on the play, and I'd love to hear about what at that time inspired you to tell this story again. So the pandemic hit in March of 2020 and shut down the theater very quickly. So like many American theaters, we pivoted to digital programming. We did some educational material. We did some community-based material that we streamed on YouTube or Facebook or that we recorded and then distributed. And at some point, we said, well, what about the radio? So at the very beginning of 2021, I thought, let's get everybody back together from the 2017 Hamlet and put some Shakespeare in the world. Maybe this kind of nimbus of Shakespeare might be a way to connect everybody who is out there alone, hunkered down. So that's what we did. What did it feel like to re-encounter this play after the pandemic? Did you see it differently? Did it feel like it had changed for you at all? When you heard the line, the time is out of joint in the beginning of 2021, you just thought, oh my God, is it ever? Is it ever? Just the world blowing apart, institutions collapsing, trust evaporating, people alone at home. Uh, by that point, I think we were nearing a million Americans dead from the coronavirus. The time is out of joint. Indeed, you know, and following the journey of this young man who feels like it's his devastating burden to try and set things in order felt incredibly personal and felt very, very powerful and felt in a way like we were no longer alone, like Hamlet could be our spirit guide to trying to figure out how to put the shards of our lives back together. The time is out of joint. Oh, cursed spite that ever I was born to set it right. These four hamlets that we've been interrogating in the opera house, in the cinema, on stage, they become like our companions in this disoriented time, it feels like. Hamlet has never really been far from our collective unconscious. His melancholy, his indecision, his struggle to do right when he knows that he's honor-bound to do something morally wrong. Hamlet distills human experience like no other fictional character. And sometimes, when the circumstances are right, he steps out from our unconscious and he blazes his way into the world with his inky cloak and his customary suits of solemn black, 
with his mournfulness and his eloquence, with his madness and his wit, with his deep, unknowable soul. He speaks to us, a friend, a guardian, a guide. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing, end them. I remember one time when it was being broadcast, I thought, I'm going to get in my car and listen to this thing on the radio in the same way that I listen to All Things Considered on the radio or the ball game. And so, I don't know, 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning or whenever it was, 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, I just got in my car and just started driving around San Diego with Hamlet playing. Wow. Yeah, I remember sort of sends chills for me to remember it. And, you know, like, oh, look, there's the waterfront. To be or not to be, that is the question, you know? Mm. And, oh, now I'm going to turn left past the school where my kids attend. And you hear, oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt. And it was this kind of sense of benediction, you know, of Shakespeare Mm. just visiting this city for a couple of hours with his healing power, with his beautiful voice with his sense that humans are extraordinary. You know, what a piece of work is a man. And I thought, oh, what a good thing to just sort of blanket San Diego with Shakespeare for a couple of hours. Felt wonderful. What a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason. How infinite in faculties. In form and moving, how express and admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. Where There's a Will, Finding Shakespeare is written and hosted by me, Barry Edelstein. My co-host is M. Weinstein. Our show was produced by Buffy Gorilla and Nisha Venkat, with assistant producers Jennifer Sanchez and Salman Ahad Khan. Our executive producers are Catherine Girardot from Pushkin and Alex Lewis and John Myers from Rohome Productions. Our editor is Audrey Dilling. Our mix engineer is Justin Berger. Our theme is an original composition by Hannes Brown. Samia Bouzid is our fact checker. Vicky Merrick is our voice coach. Our show was recorded at Bill Corkery Productions, Leopard Studio, and The Old Globe. Special thanks for use of audio clips to the Public Theater for Fat Ham, the Metropolitan Opera for Hamlet, and Focus Features for The Northman. Thanks to actor Johnny Costry for Hamlet in Slovak. Where There's a Will is a co-production of Pushkin Industries and The Old Globe. Barry Edelstein, that's me, is Erna Fincy Viterbi Artistic Director, and Timothy J. Shields is Audrey S. Geisel Managing Director of The Old Globe. For The Globe, thanks to sound director Paul Peterson and assistant to the sound director Evan Eason, director of marketing and communications Dave Henson, assistant to the artistic and managing directors Carolyn Budd. The Theodore and Audrey Geisel Fund provides leadership support for the Old Globe's year-round activities. 
To learn more about the Tony Award-winning The Old Globe, one of America's leading regional theater companies, visit theoldglobe.org. If you love this show, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus, offering bonus content and ad-free listening across our network for $4.99 a month. Find the Pushkin Plus channel on Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Where There's a Will will be back December 8th. Thanks for listening. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.